listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This Green Bay stuff, why is it coming out today? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have that answer. It's almost like it's the. It's like there's a family with like five kids, and somehow one of the kids has graduated high school already. He's a sophomore in college. That's Aaron Rodgers, and now the other kid is getting like a high school graduation party, and he's like, you know, I'm going to say I'm dropping out of college like that morning <laughs> just to find a way to get all the attention. Doesn't it have a little feel of that to you? Yeah, and and I I have seen some stuff out there that, you know, Aaron Rodgers had been talking to Green Bay about, you know, accepting a deal from the 49ers and that was a team that he was interested in going to if they offered a pick and I just wonder if Rodgers realized the Packers weren't going to play ball and he just said, "All right, well then let me go ahead and sabotage everything and make this story about me today." Because I tell you this, if it's legit and we're going to get to it in at more length here but if it's legit that he's trying to really blow it up to me that's so, one let's accept the fact there's a chance we don't know exactly what's going on and maybe there's some egregious thing that Aaron Rodgers has had done to him and we don't know but assuming that's not the case it strikes me that to go and talk about the mystery of things and leave things vague and kind of being hard playing hard to get in the offseason you know beyond jeopardy all that to me is little negatives, but they're little, right? But the idea of like, oh, okay, out, you know, 13 and 3, 13 and 3, that's 26 and 6. When you run 26 and 6 with a new coach and the team that's built around you, and is this all because they drafted a quarterback? I mean, I, it, it, it just, from what I've under, my understanding is he's not real happy with anybody upstairs. And this could go back to not just the quarterback and them moving up to draft Jordan Love, but also the fact that they got rid of his quarterback's coach and, and didn't, you know, didn't have a conversation with him about it. It just feels like he's been burnt by them a couple of times now and he's finally had enough. And he figured today with, uh, with all these other conversations out there, he just figured, all right, why don't I go ahead and hijack the headlines? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're trying to say sympathetically to Aaron Rodgers, and at the end, you really can't, right? <laughs> and you know, listen, I've I've been, you know, in many relationships over the years romantically, and I've been married over ten years, so it's like you know, I can remember. There's certain people, and listen, we all got our faults, but there's certain people you can do ten good things and one bad. And let me tell you something, them tag good things are like gone with the wind. And that bad one, you're going to hear about six years later. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's, it's tough. And, and we all do that to some degree. But there's certain people that the, the good doesn't seem to matter. And to me, you said, oh, they fired their quarterback's coach. Oh, they didn't draft who he wanted. Oh, you know. And it's like, well, what about all the things they've done? Right, because it seems to me Green Bay hasn't really been known as a really poor. I mean, has Green Bay been known as an exploitive organization that, that doesn't care about the players? That, that you know, I mean, in the spectrum of the 32 NFL teams, 
could you even make the case, Jonas, that they were in the bottom half of like treating players without respect or whatever? Uh, no, they've been ta- they've been talked about as an organization that treats their players really well. Uh, an organization that you know maybe maybe it's not the number one destination for free agents because of where it's based, but a lot of players go there and they love their time there. Jim McMahon was quoted recently in an interview saying that the Packers were the best organization he ever played for, top to bottom. They were absolutely top notch. So you, you, they don't really have the reputation of being a bad environment with bad surroundings for a lot of players. Okay, so let's do this. I mean, I guess he's hijacked this conversation. But Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. We're shifting the Vegas lead to Aaron Rodgers, but it's not really the Vegas lead. It's going to be the lead, but the Vegas lead's coming in a minute. But the reality is, if you have a situation where the majority opinion is one thing and your opinion is different, it's often about you. And, you know, not to quote Colin's exact phrase of it's a you thing or what or you problem. But boy, oh boy, you add that with the fact that Aaron Rodgers seems like the type that's not often contented. It seems like the type that, um, you know, has had special treatment his whole life. And he very much I mean, let's just say this. Could you imagine Tom Brady doing this? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Because the reality is. Whatever people have put in Brady's mouth about Belichick, about the Pats way, oh, if you look at what he said about him, it's nothing but positive. When he was on Howard Stern, he, you know, about a year ago, it was so positive. And I'm not saying there's not anything else, but that's the point. Anytime you're around someone for five plus years, 10, 15 and beyond, you're going to have pros and cons. There's going to be good times and bad times. The fact that Aaron Rodgers seems to emphasize the bad when the greats, typically the team builders, tend to emphasize the good, but don't ignore the bad when it's, it needs addressed. And none of this is saying Aaron Rodgers is a horrible person. He might be the best person he can be given his upbringing, his environment. I don't know. We're all products of our the system that we've been brought up in, and we don't know what influenced us. So I'm not judging him as a human being. I'm judging his actions as a football fan. And it strikes me he doesn't get near the condemnation, near the grief that he should. But it strikes me, Jonas, that you actually do. It feels like if you that's interesting. If you made a list of your five players that you're the most critical of, meaning that you probably have expressed the most negative things about Aaron Rodgers would be on that list, right? Um, I, gosh, I don't know. I, I didn't, I mean, there's no, I don't really have a list as far as players. Well, I know. I, I, that's why it's a hypothetical. I'm just yeah. saying, it, it just strikes me that you are, when I, I just listen to what you say and it feels like that you have critiques of, like you, you're kind of falling on the side against him. Not strongly all the time, but against him a lot. It feels like, well, most of the time you're pretty neutral on guy. I mean, it's, you don't judge all that much, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, sometimes maybe he does focus and, and, and gets a little bit too petty and focuses on just the negative stuff and he feels like he's been wronged and all that. And that's that's something that a lot of people will tell you about him, that he does, you know, he, he keeps score of things. He doesn't let things go. He's very uh, almost borderline paranoid. There was a, a story about how he was in a sit-down interview uh, with a reporter, Mina Kimes, back in the day. And before the interview started, he started recording 
thing on his own because he didn't want to be taken out of context and he didn't want her to use wrong quotes and he didn't want it. So he's very almost paranoid to, to, to whether or not somebody's going to screw him over. And I just wonder if he sees one little thing happen and just assumes that it's a slight against him, like getting rid of the quarterback coach or drafting a quarterback when they potentially had some other needs. I, it just, I, I think yeah. it's mostly his paranoia, to be honest. Well, I will say this, which is kind of funny because, you know, you've expressed some stuff that I've heard you say in the past, and I agree with it, except when it comes to the media, I think that's just good thinking. You know, it was interesting, it, it, the idea of having at least your own documentation of, of how it went. Because, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Because let's be honest, uh, in, in fact, I heard um, Steph, Stephanie McMahon was on Bill Simmons, like right before WrestleMania, and they were talking about one of the things that WWE does always is whenever they do an interview, they bring their own film crew and shoot it off to the side where they have like a, you know, with the, the timer on it, so you can see exactly it's in sequence, and and what it does is it acts as a deterrent against the, you know, whatever organization is doing it, that they can cut things wrong. Because you really think about it, that they, they could be making a joke with you and like you give a thumbs down and do a raspberry or something. And then later they cut to it and you hear this all the time. And I'm not saying any particular organization, but the ones that have an agenda and his agenda might just be cause trouble, get a story going. But they ask him something, they cut away, they cut back, and then it's the cut from before, and it looks like he's responding to something the interviewer said, but he's not. Right. That happens. Listen, I've been, uh, quite frankly, it's been years now, the victim of a 40-page hit piece that had so many lies in it. It was shocking to the point that we went to the New York Supreme Court, because that's a state they were in, spent a lot of money and got a settlement out of it. So, I mean, to me, I guess I'm a little sympathetic to the idea, because being in sports betting, especially before when it was so taboo, it's just a target. And, I mean, it helped me always focus on assuming everything I did was going to be uh, like watched or uncovered and that helped, you know, if you assume the FBI is listening to every conversation, <laughs> it helps you not do things wrong. I can't lie. <laughs> but in general though, and this will be my last question on it is if Aaron Rodgers is on the list as he is of complainers, not satisfied in great, whatever you want to call it is or whatever I'll call it. Who else is on that list? Meaning I would make the point that it's going to be hard to come up with even two or three people that are anywhere near him. That he is head and shoulders. Again, let's say amongst team leaders, right? Cornerbacks that are complaining that no one knows about. I don't know, right? But amongst team leaders, who else is on that list? Um, LeBron would probably be on that in the list. NFL, though. Uh, in the NFL, I, I don't know. I haven't even thought about this. Um I, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I would make the case that maybe there's one. I mean, like Russell Wilson, you could say during a short period of time, kind of had those qualities. But, boy, before and after, it hasn't been the case, right? Yeah. It, I, I, yeah. I'm trying to think of NFL players. I don't know of any that have been as vocal with their displeasure or been, you know, as, as up, in front, up front about not being happy with the organization. Which, to me, unless then Green Bay is egregiously bad – at supporting their players, which there's no indication of that. If he's complaining the most, that says a lot, I think. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. 
on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, the big conversation near the top of the draft. We know what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do. We have a good feeling what the New York Jets are going to do, but it's what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do. And all of a sudden, we have an update and a change to the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, and by the way, speaking of the Jags, Fed spent 20 minutes yesterday on the pod talking about how he's thinking maybe he bets because the odds on Trevor Lawrence is $100 wins you a dollar. So he was thinking, is there any way that we can bet late and then get the money cash and they only have our money for 20 minutes and we're making 1%? I mean, this guy, he does not want to get a job. He doesn't. And then it is interesting, 100 to win one. And then for the Jets, it's 50 to win one. So, there. I mean, I know everyone assumes Wilson's a lock, but boy, that 50 to one uh, is a big number, it feels like. But I guess it is a lock. And now we got number three. And as of yesterday, and Mackenzie's got the breaking numbers, as of yesterday, Mac Jones was the favorite. And what were the exact odds, Mackenzie? It was minus 275 consensus. All right, so Mac Jones minus 275. So $2.75 wins you a dollar, 275 wins you a hundred. Okay, so big jumbo. So if you look at the implied odds, saying mathematically, it said Mac Jones was about 70% chance to be the pick. Now, today, what are the current odds? Trey Lance is the new favorite, minus 150. Mac Jones is plus 150. So that imputes out to 60% chance for Trey Lance. So that's what you call a swing, a swerve, I guess, to go back to wrestling. Um, First of all, Jonas, if you didn't know the odds, what did you feel today in the media? Um, that Mac Jones was still the guy right up until the Aaron Rodgers stuff came out. And then it felt like San Francisco and there were some rumblings that maybe San Francisco had been trying for a couple of days now to make a move with Green Bay for Rodgers and that the number three pick was obviously going to be a part of the deal. And then I thought, well, maybe there's a switch in the odds because if the deal doesn't get done, what is San Francisco going to do if they've clearly identified that they wanted Rodgers? Do they go position player? Do they just settle on a quarterback? Do they try and trade back out of it, um, but I still would have assumed that Mac Jones would have been the favorite. So the trade, what what is the most viable trade? As in, like it felt legit that it could that this could be real. And obviously, you didn't necessarily think any of them were short things. What was the the trade as you heard it as it, most likely? I didn't hear details as to what the potential offer could be. I just know that the 49ers had reached out to Green Bay to gauge their interest, and I think they did so yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Green Bay just shunned them. But but you know, obviously, it would be the number three pick. What's interesting though is that. I I would think that the the first round picks they gave up to get the number three pick would have been worth more to Green Bay than just the number three pick in this year's draft and whatever else they would have come up with. But remember now, you've got to replace Aaron Rodgers in this scenario. So how do you do that? I... If, if you're Jimmy Green Garoppolo. Bay. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo may be part of the package. Maybe they see Garoppolo and you've still got Jordan Love. Um, now, remember, LaFleur's from the Shanahan tree. So it seems like to me that if this, if the guru of that at this point, you know, that's still coaching, not Uncle Mike, as he's called around here, <laughs> is if it's not Uncle Mike, it's going to be Kyle. And if you're LaFleur, you're going to understand Kyle probably understands the offense better than you. And if they're jettisoning Jimmy G... 
I mean, how much love are you getting in Green Bay for taking Jimmy G versus maybe you take Jimmy G as a backup? And then, and again, he'd have to agree to that too, right? Because obviously there's the no trade clause that Jimmy G has. But here's the question, and we can't forget this because tonight it everything's really driven by it. If, if it is Mac Jones, and let's be clear, when it's 70% one way and now it's 60% the other, that's a big swing. But it's still only 60-40. Mac Jones could still easily be the pick. It's just not near as likely as it was yesterday. So if you think about it, the odds have cut in more than in half, right? When it was 70 and now, you know, it's more in half. And to me, I don't know what drove that. And if you look at the betting movement, you either have steam when it's pretty much all at once. It's like a coordinated hit. Oh, everyone's betting the Ravens. Boom, boom, boom. Everywhere. Everyone's betting. They call it an open order. The people who are in the syndicate, it's like bet as much as you can at this number. Go. And you see it. And then on the screen, then there's what you see today. What we saw was a little bit of a jump in the morning and then throughout the day incrementally. It was like walking a quarter mile every half hour and you finally walked like five miles. But it was just a little bit at a time. And that, to me, is a sign of something triggering it modestly initially and then it becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. As in, people see it moving and they go, ooh, somebody must know something. And then they bet it. And that causes it to move. And then someone says, oh, look, it moved again. They must know something. And each time, it's a domino effect. Uh, It feels more like that to me. So if I was forced to bet right now at the current odds... If it was 50-50, I would take the favor. That's just, I could not. But if I had to bet at the current price, I would still take Mac Jones. Yeah. You too? Yeah, I would too. I just, it, this didn't move significantly enough, and, and we talked about it yesterday again, but when Baker Mayfield's odds changed, that was clear the way that they moved, that somebody knew something. Same with Kyler Murray and the Heisman Trophy odds. All of a sudden, one one weekend, we came yep. in on a Monday and we're talking about it on the show. Like Somebody must have talked to some voter somewhere and known something. Yeah, I think that, I think that was driven by, there was a mail-in survey yeah. they did. Yeah, so, Something like that. This just doesn't seem like... Like, you know, if Trey Lance all of a sudden was a three-to-one favorite, then I could understand, okay, well, that's clearly based on information. This feels like people are still just guessing at this point. And and if that's the case, I, w- I would still take Mac Jones because that's been seemingly the most solid information and, and reporters out there have all steered us in the direction of Mac Jones, so I wouldn't steer away from him at this point. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Vegas has found out about the upcoming draft. Yeah, great opportunity. Let the odds guide us. 
First, though, let's talk about some big picture stuff that you need to understand to enjoy the draft, or at least be informed with the draft tonight. Number one, the picks in 2021, this year's picks, are less valuable than any year ever. And the rationale is simple. They've got less information to make their judgments. Imagine a scenario that no one played any games, like some extreme. No one played any games. Blah, blah. You'd be like picking based on what height and weight and 40 times. And then in a typical year, you'd have all this information, combine, interviews, on-site during the year on the campus. This year has a lot less than usual. And thus, the teams are valuing the picks less value with less value. There's a second reason. Because of the COVID and all the different factors, the depth of the draft, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, there's been some good reporting that the number of players that have filed to even get an agent, so that's like a low level, but it's like 600 or 700 this year, and typically it's like more than double that. So in general, this year is not valued highly. Thus, you're going to see some trades that don't make a ton of sense because of that. And I think, for example, uh, we've seen it with some of the multiple picks going to get players. It's like, eh, it feels like a lot. It's cause of COVID. Number two, quickly, it would be this. Everyone that leaves this draft, every team tonight, tomorrow, and the next day are going to have the perfect draft for them. Now, what does that mean? It means given the players they had available to them at the time, they picked their favorite player. Unless they somehow do data entry error and randomly pick the wrong player. Oh, I didn't mean him. I meant the other guy. They picked their favorite player. So Mel Kuyper might not like it and whoever might not like it, but they love it. Now, they might have wished another guy had fallen to them, but given the givens, they all had a perfect draft because they had their choice of anyone they wanted that was left. So anyone grading it, you got to assume they know more than the GMs. I don't assume that. I don't grade drafts. There's one area that drafts can affect next year's odds instantly to me. It's a team without a quarterback. No quarterback that's any good that drafts a quarterback early. Because at least then you've got a good chance, a decent chance, a 50-50 chance you got a quarterback. Now you have a zero. You know, when you go in with lock, you almost have a 0% chance of having a quarterback, in my opinion. If they draft, now forget Bridgewater, they draft one tonight, they got a chance. So I'm going to upgrade the teams that don't have a quarterback that draft a quarterback. Now, what did the market tell us? And then I'm going to give you my best bet is that Trey Lance is now better than 50% to be the third pick. Kyle Pitts has surged to be very likely to be the fourth pick. Jamar Chase is very likely to be the fifth pick. So the Lyman Sewell, not as likely now. Waddle is expected to go, the wide receiver, 11 or earlier. And he's supposed to go before Smith, the Heisman winner. And J.C. Horn is supposed to go better than 12. So 11 or, or, or 12 or earlier. Check that on Horn. So I think there's going to be, and here's my segue to the best bet. The best bet for me tonight is going to be number of cornerbacks and it's going to be over five quarterbacks picked in the first round. So five or more. So not over five, five or more. And the current uh, lay price on that, McKenzie, is? Minus 180. All right, so we got to lay a little vig, but here's why we like this. We do tracking between the next-to-last mock draft and the last mock draft of the guys who are connected 
the guys like Kuiper, let's give them credit, McShade, they are connected. And if you see a guy that isn't in any mock for the whole, you know, lead up, mock one, mock two, mock seven, and then in the last mock on the last day, he surges up and he's the 23rd pick. It's like that's usually information-based. It's they got a contact, they told him that's who we want to take, and it's right a lot of the time. Well, there were multiple surgers that were cornerbacks, and we know no one's fallen. So there's a, what we got is multiple surgers that are cornerbacks, already existing cornerbacks that are going to go one. So our best bet is five or more cornerbacks laying minus 180. It's going to be over five or more best bet for me. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.